With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. Pharrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out the bad state of broken data, bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad actors, bad taste, bad lie, bad dude, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live in the Magic City Studios in the Pharrell Appalachia, right across the river and through the woods from where Granny loves to hit that stick of blueberry before she goes to bed in New York City. The Big Apple. <clears throat> People dressed in plastic bags, ready to travel in some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do, but all my friends that come around, flats and flats and party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown with a mess of tides and tatter, but bring splattered all over Manhattan, should do, but shake it up. Hey, what's gigging? I'm Pharrell with Mafia tonight. 844 is the number. Game four, NBA Finals. Rocking in Brewtown right now. Minute 50 left. First half. D-Book on the baseline. And they lead it by four with a minute 40 left in the first half. Booker has 20 in the first half. Eight of 13 from the floor. Four of four from the stripe. So, uh, And then Holiday gets a follow kiss layup at the other end and a timeout. So a two-point Suns lead with a minute 33 left in the half. I got to tell you, I find it fascinating uh, to me that, I mean, you got one team shooting, uh, the Bucks shooting 38% and 14% from three in the game, which is atrocious shooting. And then the Suns have shot 50%. But I guess the atrocity is they're 27% from three. Both teams terrible, 27% for the Suns, 14% for the Bucks from three because I'm like watching this game and it's amazing to me that they're shooting 50% because I have never, it was like when I was watching the game, it seemed to me literally the entire first half, they just kept missing shots that like it wouldn't fall like, CB3 had an elbow J, his favorite shot on the floor that, you know, just to the two steps to the right of the elbow, the guy will pull up and, and knock down shots in his sleep. And the ball was going in and out. He had a saucer one that just rolled around the rim and then came out. It was unbelievable. It was like there was a magnet on the roof pulling the ball out of the basket. So I saw him missing all these shots. I saw Booker missing bunnies, little three-footers off the glass that he uh, rimmed out. And I'm like, they just can't get it to fall. But I guess the majority of the ones that wouldn't fall were the threes because they hit half of their shots. 
but three of 11 from downtown. So Crowder, two of four from downtown. Bridges, O of one. Paul, O of one. Booker, O of one. Johnson, one of two. Payne, O of two. And it's amazing to me. Uh, they have out-rebounded the Bucks, And they've out-dimed them. And I, I got to tell you, it was like I was, you know, one team shooting 50%, the other team shooting 38%. You got to lead by more than two, in my opinion. And I have some funky bets going tonight. Obviously, I got the Suns in the first half at plus a buck 36. And I got the Suns plus two and a half in the first half. And... I mean, I rolled the dice with the Suns tonight, and I pushed all the chips in. <laughs> I, I, I went all in on the Suns, and I don't know. I'm not feeling it because the disparity in shots, like you can't like have a team shooting in the 30s, and then you can't finish them. You can't get a big lead on them. What the F? We welcome our radio affiliate, Sirius XM, Mightier 1090, Sports Map, Sports Byline, Armed Forces Radios for all on the bench. I can't believe that you can't take advantage of the Bucks not hitting shots. I mean, you got to be up by 10. They had a big lead. They were up eight, and they just let it whittle away. Then they were down four. I just can't believe it. I mean, I'm like, so when you get to the second half, you get to that fourth quarter, you know the Bucs are going to have a push. You know they're going to have a, a run in them. You know they're going to go for it. You know they're going to make stops. You know they're going to get in that game, whether they're down or up. Typically, the, the team on their home floor will have one lighted-up session at the very least to win the game or to get, like, the game to overtime or whatever, they'll do anything to get in the game and have a run, like one big spurt on them. And I haven't seen that uh, yet at all from the Bucks, So I'm expecting it automatic. And like right now, they're up 52-49. The Suns can't shake the Bucks, And so I know they're on the road. I know how hard it is. But when, when they're not shooting well, they're getting all these dunks and layups. And those are the only shots they're making at the rim. So I think the Suns have blown a huge opportunity here to have a big lead at the half. They should be up 10. to listen to sports grid you can always go to a horse stable find one with shoes pry one off and hang it over your door or you can get the winning edge right here and you won't take a hoof to the head this is the sports grid radio network All right, for all bench, I can't believe, uh, to be honest with you, it's tied at the half. And Booker missed two in a row. Uh, he missed an elbow J that was a piece of cake. And he missed a three on the wing with nobody on him. He missed them both. I mean, he's 8 of 15, so it's 20 points. 
I mean, you got to look at how he got there. 8 of 18, he's missed 7 shots. 0 of 2 from 3. And he's 4 of 4 from the line. But, I mean, those 7 misses, like, the last 2 were bad. I thought the bunny off the glass at the rim 3 feet away was terrible. I'm sitting there watching it going, like, how many shots is he going to miss? Like, you know, I'm sure everybody there is talking about how he had this huge first half, 20 points. But, I mean, that shot right there he made that they're showing a highlight of. But, I mean, he's the same exact shot with under 40 seconds left. He, he bricked. I mean, the timing of his misses and the quality of the misses. It's a 15-foot free throw, that elbow J. He knocks that down in his sleep. And then the the running bunny off the glass from three feet out, I, I was like, what in the Sam hell is happening here? This guy's missing those. And then same with Paul. He always knocks down that mid-range elbow J, and he was saucering shots. And I got to tell you, he did absolutely nothing in that game so far, Paul. He was terrible. Two points, one of four, 0 of one from three. What is he doing in this game besides nothing? And a turnover, a terrible turnover where he went down and left his feet and turned around to throw it back to the uh, other guard and he threw it away to Middleton, and Middleton ran up to court, and they got a, a bucket out of it. I mean, what what has happened to Chris Paul? Now, do you remember Mafia? They, were, they handed him the MVP after the first game. They handed it to him. They're like, here. And then, I mean, what's he done since then besides nothing? Game two was all about Booker. Game three, they got their ass beat. Tonight, he sucked completely. I mean, he's got two points at the half. Now, he's going to have to turn it on in the second half, Mafia, because they cannot afford to have Chris Paul have a two-point half. No, I agree with you, because he's the one that makes, you know, so many things go for everyone else. I mean, even Booker, as good as a guy is, making his own shots. When Paul's on and he creates, it makes it so much easier for him. I think that's why, you know, it seems like he's struggling a lot more in a couple of these games. I think the, the way they're running Paul off the screen is tiring him out. The way they're kind of taking him out of the game as much as they can is putting more pressure on Booker to create for himself. and. That's making his shooting percentage go way down. Look, nobody else is doing anything. I mean, Crowder's got two threes. That's it. Bridges has got seven points. Aiden's got six and nine boards. I'll give him, he's six, nine, and four dimes. I mean, that's not the worst thing I've ever seen. He's close to a double-double. Paul's two is embarrassing. Booker's the only one doing anything. Craig's got four. Cam Johnson's got three. Payne's got four. Bottom line, it's just not good enough. And then the reality is the Bucks are shooting 41% now. Three of 16, though, 18% from three. But they have three guys producing. Lopez has 10. Middleton finally having a game. He's got 16. And Giannis has 12 and seven boards, four dimes. So he's close to a double-double already. And 
He's played 21 minutes. Holiday's played 20 minutes. Middleton, 19. I know that uh, he, he came out early, Giannis, and it was strange because he looked tired, right? And uh, Lopez has two fouls. Tucker has three fouls. And then as far as um, the Suns, Crowder's got two fouls. Aiden's got two fouls. And Booker's got two fouls. Craig Johnson and Payne all have one. So does Bridges. But uh, I thought Giannis looked tired early in the game. And he was shooting air ball threes. I don't know why the guy keeps shooting threes. I really don't. I just can't figure it out. It, it makes no sense to me whatsoever why that guy's chucking threes. Uh, he's 0 of 2 from 3, 5 of 8 from the floor. When is that guy going to realize, and I said this today on Coast to Coast, you know, he talked about uh, working on his deficiencies, working on his weaknesses. I don't think this is the time or place to be working on his crappy three. Seriously, if it's not falling, which it isn't, why does he keep pulling up? He can't shoot free throws. He can't shoot threes. The type of free throws that I'm looking for him to get, if you're a Bucks fan, is at the rim. And ones. You know, shooting, uh, dunking and shooting at the rim, layups, finger rolls, dunks. And he gets contact, he gets fouled, he gets the and one, and he goes to the line, and he misses. So what if he hits the bucket? If he goes up and doesn't make the bucket and goes to the line and makes one of two, it's, it's not good enough. He needs and one free throws. I know that's easier said than done, but there's one way to guarantee he's going to get and ones, and that's going to the 10 and dunking. And when he goes to the 10, somebody's got to try to stop him. Somebody's got to try to block it. Somebody's got to try to foul him, something to stop him from just doing whatever he wants and dunking whatever he wants. So if he gets fouled dunking, he goes to the line and makes, makes or miss. It doesn't matter. He's still got the bucket. But to pull up from three all the time and think that he's Steph Curry, I, I just, I really can't figure it out, to be honest with you. Makes no sense to me. But I'll tell you what. I mean, I hit the Suns plus the two and a half in the first half. They should have been winning. They should have won the first half, but they didn't. It's a it's a tie, so you got to push there. Bottom line is they had a three-point lead, and he missed two shots. The elbow J, the three, wide open, both of them, missed them both, and they should have been up. They were up three, then they give up the three, then he misses another one. I mean, how many chances do you effing need to win the first half and hit a bucket? And you outshoot them, and you still don't lead. All those signs, to me, right now, point to a loss. It's that simple. I, I think... You know, the, you know, the home team can't hit the broadside of a barn and you can't lead them. You can't have a lead. You can't keep a lead. You don't have a lead. You had a lead and blew it and blew it and blew it and blew it. I mean, they blew 10 leads in the game. That's all you need to know. They're going to lose the game. I don't know what they're doing, but, I mean, they're definitely effing around with it. I'll tell you that much. Because... Uh, they should have been up big in that game, and they're not up at all. And so, to me, uh, they screwed it up.
Uh, I, you know, the Suns had their chance. You shoot 50 uh, percent in the first half and you don't lead. Uh, you had your chance because I'll bet my life they're not shooting 50 percent in the second half. So I don't know. I'm, I'm watching a team that just isn't getting it done. If you ask me, uh, that's just me. Now, look, I bet on him. I pushed all the chips in on him. I'm not feeling good about it at all. Uh, I'd, I'd be feeling pretty good about it if they were up 10 or 8, which is as high as they got it. If they had that kind of a lead after shooting 50%, I'd be okay with it. I'm totally not okay with a tie game at the half. Now, I mean, they're still totally in this game, but their margin for error is so short. It's so tight. I mean, they just can't afford to be missing bunnies and elbow jays and wide open threes. It's a joke. with people. Everybody expects every team in the effing league to win the Super Bowl. One team wins. The rest of them lose. No two for you. How about that? One last indignity. So the uh, second half is underway at Fiserv in Milwaukee, and the game's uh, tied 52 apiece. Bucks have the rock. I got to tell you that it's quite a scene uh, outside their arena with that, whatever they call that thing, mafia, that fear the deer, whatever the hell it is. The you know I don't know what they call it, deer park, or <laughs> I don't know what it what it what is it that they call that thing. Anyway. Uh, it's packed with fans. I mean, what a scene. That's just a crush of people, and they're all just hammered. And, I mean, when I look at where they are now, Crowder hits a three. Uh, so I, I got to tell you, Mavia, they have to like where they're at in, in this game. In their building, down three, a minute into the second half, in a game they haven't shot well at all, and that they were tied at the half is crazy. Uh, don't you think they have to be happy where they're at? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you have your best game and, you know, if you look at the stats too, some of the ways they're making it up is on defense and on the free throw line. I mean, they've gotten a bunch of turnovers. You've got seven turnovers from Phoenix. You know, you haven't turned the ball over yourself, only two. You got 11 to 13 from the free throw line. We've talked about so many times, you know, how bad Giannis is. Well, he's 50%. The rest of the team, though, is picking it up. Lopez, 4-4, Holiday, 3-3, T, 2-2. So they're getting to the line. They're, you know, making things count on the defensive side, and that's a good way to scratch through. If you're not having your best game, you got to find other ways to do it. And even though they can't shoot the ball from three to save their life tonight, they're making things happen and staying in this game. So I think the Suns have to focus. Since they've missed so many easy shots, even though they've hit 50%, I'm not complaining. But I think the key for them is defense. Right now they got a great stop on Holiday there, and they get the board, no second chances. The only way that they're going to win this game is not by out shooting the Bucs. It's by defense. And like they just turn the ball over and they get a foul. And, you know, who knows if they're going to call this a, 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 a tack on clear path to the basket. I have to see it. 
Booker turned it over. Yeah, it might be clear because Booker grabbed Giannis by the jersey and pulled it. And uh, Middleton was throwing him the ball. Booker grabbed his shorts and tugged him. It's going to be a clear path. They're going to get him on that one, I think. But, like, my point is they have to get stops because they just keep screwing this game up. They just – there's I got this horrible feeling about the way they're missing shots. Like, it's amazing they're shooting 50%, but the misses are so important. Every time they miss a shot, it's when they have a lead and – and they can't stretch it. They just keep giving it up because they miss all these shots that matter. And they make the ones that keep them tied or keep them two up or keep them within two. None of it's to get rid of them. They, they aren't just hitting buckets. All of their 50% hasn't been to you know separate themselves. It's been to just... Uh, the weirdest thing. I've never seen a team shoot this well and have like no lead whatsoever. I mean, I know they're up five right now, but that's Jack. That's two baskets, a three and a bucket. So I just, Mavi, is it not amazing to you that they can't get rid of them the way they're shooting? And then the way they're missing, it's like the misses are so, you know, negative. And how about this? They just get a rebound and throw the ball away out of bounds they get a defensive rebound, and Aiden throws the ball out of bounds. Like, what the F are they doing? It's, it's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. The mistakes, the shots they miss are, are crucial misses. And the rebounds, you throw the ball away into the seats instead of grab the ball, and then they give up the basket. They just gave up the basket. So it's like you stop them, you get the rebound, throw it into the seats, they get the ball back, and they score. That's a fail, Mafia. That's a failure to execute. That's a turnover that kills you. Now they're up three. They should be up seven. Right. They keep shooting themselves in the foot. They keep hurting themselves every time they try to expand the lead by giving the ball back. I mean, you look at the starters. Two for Crowder, two for Aiden, two for Paul, two for Booker. Bridge is the only one who decides to turn the ball over. Otherwise, all you know, the starters are keep giving it away. And the more you do that, it doesn't sound like a lot with two turnovers each, but when you add it up, you got nine already in the game. You just started the second half. It gets worse and worse. You get in the double digits, you get, you know, 14, 16 turnovers. It's how you lose the game. You give them second chances. You give them opportunities to come into the lead when you should be expanding it. It's just dumb plays like that that are costing them right now and not letting them get out in this game. So later, uh, coming up here in like 10 minutes, we're going to talk to uh, Bobby Nightingale. How crazy is that, Mafia, that uh, we're talking to Bob's son, who is a great writer in his own right in Cincinnati with the Inquirer. He covers the Reds. And I think he was at Kansas when he was in college doing journalism. And then um, now he's, you know, in the big leagues doing what his dad does. His dad, of course, with the USA Today. It's funny because, I mean... Bob's been doing my show for like 20 years and I've never had his kid on the show. And then tonight we're having Bobby on the kid, Bob's kid, Bobby. (laughs) How crazy is that that we finally got the kid on? I wonder if the kid knows that his dad has, here they are again with another effing turnover. Chris Paul with a no look pass to the Bucks. Like, he is turning the ball over, playing like crap in this game. And then they get a foul call at the other end. I mean, they are just asking to lose this game. I mean, I can't believe what I'm watching. 
Chris Paul is playing so bad tonight that I, there is no way that he's in the conversation right now for MVP. He had one good game, and this game's so terrible, Mafia. It wipes out the good game. Did you see him just throw that ball away? A no-look, a no-look throwaway. Like, you know, if you're going to no-look and you're going to get fancy behind the back no-look, can you at least make sure you throw it to someone on your own team? He just threw it to the box. And that, I think he looks terrible tonight. I think Chris Paul looks awful. Yeah, it's just a bad play by him. It's one we he's a veteran. He, this isn't a guy some rookie trying to you know, be fancy. This isn't one of these guys a couple years in trying to, you know, make an impression in his first finals. Like, yes, this is his first finals, but the guy's 36 years old. He, he knows better than this, and he's just not taking care of the ball. None of these guys are. Bro, he's got three turnovers in the game. Aiden's got two. Booker's got two. The Aiden pass out of bounds was, uh, I mean, that was just uh, uh, so ugly. So ugly. It's not even funny. So uh, you still didn't tell me. What do you think of the, the kid coming on? Like, can you believe it? Do you think he knows? Like, <laughs> do you think the kid knows? Uh, and he's not a kid. He's a young guy. He's been in the business. There's no denying he's good at what he does. But do you think he knows, like, that his dad has done my show for, like, 20 years? Or do you think he could care less? I told him that we have his dad on all the time when I reached out to him to come on tonight. I mean, I figured, you know, it's a good time to talk about the Reds because they just went hot into the break. They're kind of only a couple games back from Milwaukee. And when I was looking up who was covering them, I saw that name. Like, why not? I mean, you've talked multiple times with Bob about his son, you know, being a journalist and following his footsteps, covering baseball just like he does. So I figured, why not? A good opportunity to do it here. What did he acknowledge any of that that he uh, his dad has done the show forever, or he just didn't have anything to say about that? I mean, I, I told him that he does it all the time. That we're good friends with him. We have on both our shows all the time. He didn't really say anything about it. Just said, you know, "Yeah, I would love to come on." That's, you know, so he didn't really go into it more. But I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he knows. Well, we're gonna find out in short order. He'll be grilled. We have to grill him. We have to find out what he knows. Mafia. We may have to duct tape him to the chair and ask some uncomfortable questions. You may have to bring out the nightstick, Mafia. I was taking a while to get back, so maybe he was checking in with the uh, senior saying, listen, uh, who are these guys? Are they cool? Should I do this or what? Please. Are they cool? We're the, we're the coolest people that ever came on the earth. I started watching your boy Loki tonight, Mafia. Yeah, don't say anything. I haven't touched it yet. No spoiler? No spoilers, which I know you're terrible about. I just go right on the air with it. I tell every show I watch. I just go right on with it. And if you don't like it, don't listen. Yeah, you pretty much give minute-by-minute breakdowns of whatever you watch at any given moment. Did you see that story today? I don't know if you saw it or not, but, I mean, just briefly. Not that I have any, you know, I could care less. I don't get involved in... Uh, local radio in um, in New York. I mean, I was on uh, both of these stations at one point or another, right? I was on the fa- I was on the fan, and I was on uh, ESPN ten fifty when it first started, right? It was an AM station in, in New York, and it's now both FM and AM, right? And then, like, uh, this, so the fan started kicking their ass again in the ratings. And now, did you see what they're thinking of doing? Like, getting rid of it? ESPN, like, doesn't want to do local radio in New York anymore. No, I hadn't seen that story. 
Yeah, like, and and you know who they want to sell it to is uh, Mel's son. They want to sell it to Craig Carmison. And he owns some of those stations. He owns ESPN in, in Chicago, same kind of thing, where his company will own it, not ESPN anymore. And I think they want to do the same thing in Los Angeles. And I think he's the one that's going to buy those too. And he'll own them and do whatever he wants with them. All right, when we come back, we'll talk to Bobby Nightingale. to listen to sports grid you can always go downtown hey babe, you wanna go out? scour the sidewalks find a penny and pick it up or you can get the winning edge right here and you won't get tommy this is the sports grid radio network So Booker uh, gets fouled by Tucker, his fourth. Then he goes up and misses the free throw. So, I mean, it's unbelievable to me. It was a three-point shot, too. He missed the first free throw. I mean, they have missed so many key shots and had so many bizarre turnovers and blown opportunities to stretch this lead. It makes me sick to my stomach. I need a break from talking about it. I'm going to have a stroke. So let's talk to uh, Bobby Nightingale uh, of the Inquirer in the Queen City Covers the Reds. Uh, I told the story earlier, Bobby, it's good to have you on the show. Obviously, uh, I told the story earlier that, you know, I've known your dad for like 25 years. He's been doing my show forever on radio. Uh, all my years at uh, CBS and all my years at Howard Stern and now uh, my years at, at SportsGrid, Bob has been uh, a loyal uh, friend and, and he's been, uh, you know, an analyst and an insider baseball wise on my show forever. And then like, I always, I always talked to him about you when you were coming up and you were like in, you know, J school or whatever, and you were being a writer and then you uh, made it to the bigs and you're doing great on your own and doing your own thing and shaking and baking. I think that's kick ass. Welcome to the show. Did he ever tell you that he's, he probably didn't. I don't know. What do I know? Like, Bob's really cool, but I don't know. Does he ever tell you that he's done my show forever? Did, have you ever asked him, or did you ever know that he did my show forever or not? Do we have him? Different shows, but, yeah, definitely definitely mention yours, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I lost you there for a second, so I didn't hear anything you said to me. So let me ask you again. Uh, did you know I didn't hear anything you said to me, so – Oh yeah, I was just saying. Yeah, he's something he's you know done radio shows for for a while, but definitely mentioned yours uh, growing up. And uh, cool, cool to be on here. I think it's great what you've done. Now let me get this straight. Did you uh, were you at Kansas? Is that where you did your like journalism? Yeah, so I went to uh, Bradley University, um, the Charlie Steiner School of Sports Communication there, and then my first job out of college. Uh, full-time job was in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, with the newspaper there, Lawrence, Lawrence Journal World. Oh, wow. So, because I, I, when I was at Indiana, I went to Ernie Pyle School of Journalism, right, in the uh, early 80s. I was there when Bob Knight was there, and uh, I worked for Knight, and I covered the Hoosiers, and, and uh, I was there when Steve Alford uh, and, you know, that team beat Syracuse to win the national title in 87 at the Superdome on, on smart shot in the corner. Uh, to beat Bayheim. Um, and so I used to, in, in the year, I think my junior year, I worked in um, 
in Kansas City at KCTV5. And they would send me to Lawrence to cover Larry Brown at the time was coaching there. And so I've been there to the Fog Allen, and I've been on that campus to cover basketball. And it's quite a, it's quite a basketball school like Indiana, right? I mean, what did you think of uh, your time there? Yeah, I thought it's an amazing town. I mean, nicest people around um, when you're there, but such a such a basketball town and the tradition they have. I mean, you look at their last three coaches, Larry Brown, Roy Williams, and now Bill Self. I mean, I don't think you could have three better consecutive hires than they've had. And uh, just a program standard um, that's there. Such a basketball town, such a basketball school. Um, so it's always fun to be a part of on game days, just seeing how uh, the city reacts, especially after when they're playing big games and, um, you know, they had, they had a huge Big 12 consecutive title streak there when I was there. Um, so that was a lot of fun, too. So did you cover the football team as well? Because they were so awful. I remember, I mean, just nothing but failure. Yeah, I mean, that was, it was funny because it was always like basketball. You had all those super highs, Final Four expectations. And then football was like if they could just get two or three wins, it would be almost considered a successful season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was there at the very beginning of the Charlie Weiss era, uh, right. and David Beatty was the coach, uh, when I left and yeah, it was just one of those kind of night and day, uh, football versus basketball programs. Yeah. Well, it, you know, when I was in Indiana, uh, they were always bad in football and then finally like Bill Mallory was there and they, they beat Ohio state one year and, uh, I mean, the whole world almost stopped because uh, they never beat anybody ever. And then now, all these years later, they're good again. Uh, it's weird, though. When I left IU, uh, I went to work for CBS immediately because I had been doing a lot of stuff at a young age, right? So I was ahead of my time, and I was doing radio there, not college. I was doing real radio, and I was covering Bob Knight and doing a Bob Knight show, covering the Hoosiers, traveling with them, going to games. And then by the time I got out, I was, you know, really good at what I did. I had, I had done mornings and an afternoon drive. I overnight DJed. I did everything. So when I left school, I was ready to work. CBS hired me immediately, and I started covering the Pirates, Penguins, and Steelers. So uh, I immediately jumped into the real world. I never went back to IU once in all these years. 35, 38 years later, I've never been back once because my life has taken me in all these directions. Your life has taken you to the Queen City to cover the Reds which is a historic franchise, in my opinion, and a great baseball town. They love their Reds. It is The Queen City is all about uh, baseball. I don't care what anybody says. You can talk about the Bengals all you want. They suck. The Reds have won championships. They've been in the playoffs a million times. The big red machine, on and on, it goes the, the lineage of great players that played there from the big red machine or even Pete Rose, whatever. It's, it really has to be remarkable for you to get that beat. What was that like? Yeah, it was really special. I mean, it was just one of those was looking, looking to get into baseball somehow, somewhere, and um, just ended up having an opening uh, at the Enquirer. So what went from basically covering like high schools and uh, a little bit of KU to covering Major League Baseball, which was um, fun in itself. But, I mean, like you said, the tradition's there. I mean, so many historical figures. Um, and, and it's been cool just when I started, you know, they were in a rebuild and they've kind of come up a little bit. They made the playoffs for the first time in seven years last year. Um, so for me personally, it's kind of got them on the kind of the upswing 
Um, so kind of just out of the rebuild, but it's one of those, you, you can tell, I mean, anytime the team has a little bit of success, it's just a city that's yearning just to, to go nuts for the baseball team. And uh, the way they're playing right now, I, I think it'll be a fun weekend coming up just because they're playing the first place Brewers. They're in second place. And um, great to see the fans, you know, be, being able to fill ballparks again. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, they just got done playing uh, the Brewers in four games. Now they're going to play them again. They played those games in Milwaukee, but they – uh, they won three of the four, didn't they? Yeah, correct. That's crazy. Uh, they what, what did they win? Eight of their last ten games. You know, I asked uh, a guy uh, today, Craig Mish, who covers the Marlins and is on our network. He's our baseball analyst. And I asked Craig today, uh, I said, can the Reds catch the Brewers? And he said no. Uh, and I said, why not? I mean, I love Castellanos and Winker, and he's like, the Brewers pitching is too good, and uh, everything else, their their lineup, their defense. Do you buy that? I was like, well, didn't the Reds just kick the Brewers' ass in Milwaukee? I'm like, so now I want to get your opinion of it. Do you think that they can uh, catch them? Uh, they've already kicked them in the teeth. Why not do it again this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Reds, they feel like they're, they haven't played their best baseball of the season yet. I think they feel like the, their bullpen for most of the season has been really shaky. Um, and then maybe in the past three weeks or so, it's stabilized a little bit. They're going to have a bunch of guys come back from injuries um, in the next couple of weeks. So they definitely feel confident. I mean, they took, like you said, three out of four against the Brewers in Milwaukee. Uh, last weekend, they swept the Brewers in a three-game series in June. So they beat them, beat the Brewers six of their last seven games against each other. Um, so they feel like there's definitely a chance. It'll be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. It's almost like it's almost turning into a two-team race in the division because the Cubs are kind of turning into sellers. The Cardinals are kind of stuck in a rut. So if that's the case, it's almost like, okay, now you have to make moves to go ahead of the Brewers. And the Brewers made their big move when they got shortstop Willie Adames, and um, they've been one of the best teams in the National League since then. So I, I definitely think it's there. I mean, the, the Brewers' pitching is unbelievable. Um, but the Reds, if, if, if they can get their bullpen under under um, on more solid ground, I, I think they do have the pitching that um, can carry them pretty far. You know, I got to tell you, Bobby Nightingale with us covers the Reds for the Cincy Inquirer great paper. I have to tell you, uh, Bobby, the best game I saw in baseball this year, you know what I'm going to say, right? The Reds-Padres uh, game where India hit the home run and then – Somehow the Padres, uh, Hosmer hit one, and then uh, you got the two-run walk-off Homer in the ninth, uh, and they beat the Reds. When the Reds had taken that lead on the India shot, and the Reds were going crazy, and the place was sold out at Petco, that was the best baseball game I've seen all year. That was a that was like a World Series game. That's what that was. Yeah, and it, Reds players will tell you, I mean, they talked about that game for weeks afterwards, just the atmosphere. I mean, it was their, they're the biggest crowd they played in front of um, just because it was San Diego's first game with 100% capacity, and they sold it out, um, and just kind of the, the, the wild ninth inning. Um, but, you know, they, got, they ended up getting swept in that series, and that was the first game of the series. And afterwards, they said, you know, that, that was kind of the gut punch that kind of took them out of the rest of the series because it was such a devastating way to lose. Uh, you know, quieting 40,000 people and then ending up losing on a walk-off. But um, that's what Reds players, I mean, they, they call it 
that that was a playoff series. It felt like those those were four playoff games, even though they lost them all. Um, just with the the atmosphere and the crowd and how intense those games were. What has happened to Castillo and Gray? I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, Luis Castillo. I mean, it, you look at the way he started off the year. He had a seven ERA, I think, at the end of May. Um, he's been really good since then. His last eight starts, he's, I think, a below two ERA. It seems like he's really figured things out. Um, but it was just one of those things where it partially like bad luck. I mean, it seemed like there's a ton of unearned runs against him. Um, he, he has he walks a lot of guys, but it seemed like, it seemed like there, a lot of balls were falling in for hits that usually don't. Um, hits that haven't fallen in the past couple weeks. So he's starting to look a little bit more like himself, which is huge for the Reds because um, the way he started off the year, I mean, they're not going to survive if your opening day starter has a seven ERA. And Sonny Gray, he's been dealing with injuries. Um, he, he should be back, I think, Sunday against the Brewers this weekend, so that'll be a big start for him. Um, but it, it, when he's healthy, he's, he's really good. It's just one of those things where he's kind of dealt with nagging injuries for most of the season. So uh, how about uh, they go from the Brewers to the first-place Mets from the East after that, and then the Cardinals before – so a huge, long homestand before they go out on the road again, uh, and, and they go to Wrigley Field, I think, for four, and then they uh, come to City Field. How about this stretch of games they got? It's brutal. Yeah, and I think that's why it's going to be such a – interesting thing that happens in front of the trade deadline. I mean, it's one of those, say, say they take the series against the Brewers this weekend, two out of three, um, so they'd be within one or two games of a playoff spot. It's almost like you have to make a move earlier than later just with the, the schedule that's upcoming. I mean, six games against the Mets later this month. Um, like you said, four games at Wrigley, um, the Cardinals at home. So it's one of those, I think there's pressure on them. To, you can't wait to the very end of the deadline. It's one of those if you want to give a big boost to the team, try to do it a little bit earlier than uh, probably most teams are accustomed to. Well, I mean, uh, it's pretty exciting. At the very least, uh, they're, they're in the chase for both the division and the wild card. So uh, I've seen those crowds there, and I've seen their success over the years. They love um, they love the Reds. Bobby, it's great having you on the bench. Thanks, brother. We'll talk again real soon. They were going through the motions. They were lifeless. I don't like that or condone that at all. I play it straight up, yo. All right, so uh, after three, it's 82-76 Suns, and Booker has 38 on 15-22 shooting, 0-2 from three. So everything basically has been inside the line, and – you can't even deny that he's getting mugged. I mean, this guy is getting bodied and chopped and hacked and bumped and banged. He literally got tackled at uh, in the you know Bucks end with the Rock on a double. Got the double team on him, and they tackled him. He got laid out flat. No call. And then at the other end, Crowder blocked Middleton's shot. And then the Bucks had the gall to cry about the SWAT. The SWAT was clean. And at the other end, the Bucks literally tackled Booker, no call. So you can't call a SWAT at the other end that was clean and not, and not call the tackle at the other end. They didn't call the tackle. 
He got tackled. Mafia, you ever saw it? Yeah, they've been physical with him the whole game. Content's been banging on him the whole time. There's a couple times you've seen him looking at the rest like, are you kidding me? They're letting them be physical. We've had the back and forth on you know, who's getting the calls, who's not getting the calls, and we figured this would be another game for the Suns to get it because they got game one, and then you know the Bucs got two and three, but it's not looking that way. They're letting the Bucs get away with a lot. They're shooting literally 56% from the floor, and they're only up six, and the Bucs are shooting 39% from the floor. And they're still in the game. And you know they're going to be in this game. I called this earlier on the show. I said, they are going to have a run. They are going to have a push in the fourth quarter to either tie this game, send it to overtime, or win this game. One or the other. So this fourth quarter is going to be nuts. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.